just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This episode is part two in a series on the business of speaking, a look at the behind the scenes of the speaker world in terms of how do people actually make money here. If you haven't checked out part one with Lauren Pibworth, the expert speaker marketer, please do go and check that out. You'll be glad you did. Lots of relevant info there, even if you are not a professional speaker. This episode, we chat with speaker agent Lee Hayes. Lee has a ton of great industry insights. If you are even thinking that you might want to do some professional speaking at some point, you need to check out what Lee says and understand what you need to know and do in order to get booked as a speaker. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Loki Podcast with John Ball from Present Influence. We use Buzzsprout to upload and distribute the Loki podcast to all major podcasting networks. If you're thinking of starting your own podcast, check out the link to Buzzsprout in the show notes. You could start your podcast today. On this episode, I am very happy to introduce a special guest to you. That is Lee Hayes. Lee is the founder and CEO of Go Leewood Speaker Management Agency. She's a manager of business speakers and also now coaching emerging speakers. So I know for myself, there's somewhere where I think I would position myself. And for a lot of people who may be listening in, you're going to want to pay close attention to what Lee has to say on this particular episode. Lee, welcome to the Loki podcast. Well, thank you so much, John. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm really delighted to have you here. And the the conversation we had before, well, I recorded that as well. And uh, I might even use some clips of it as some bonus (laughs) Some bonus material for people because there was some really good stuff there, but I'll see what we end up talking about today. But um, one thing you did share with me when we spoke before was your journey into speaker management, which is kind of interesting in itself. And and one that I've heard from a few people as well, similar kinds of stories. So tell us what led you into speaker management? (laughs) Well, I I guess my story is like some other people. I've heard this. Um, Unemployment is what led me into it. Um, I got one of those dreadful calls or maybe more dreadful than most on a, uh, one afternoon, my boss calls me at home and says, we need you to come into the office. We have an executive meeting at 3 PM. And I thought, huh, a, I'm in the U S and she's calling me from Portugal and B it's Sunday. So I thought this is not a good thing. And I went into our local office and we had an executive meeting and the meeting was about, we are closing the division And at the time, I was the HR director, so I was in charge of, well, everything human resources, including, you know, training and and hiring speakers at the time. Um, And they said, we need you to fire 272 people over the next two years and don't let the door hit you on the way out. So you will not have a job at the end of this. Thank you so much. Uh, So that's what happened. So I spent two years just making a company smaller and smaller and smaller. And I got to the point where I had nothing to do during the day. My job was to show up and sit at my desk and help people who were leaving. So I got a call from a speaker who's pretty well known, who you're going to have on your show, who uh, happens to be my brother. And he said, Hey, um, I just fired my agency there. You know, it was a disaster there. And He said, look, you've got nothing to do, sis. Would you do me a favor and just act as my agent for a few months? Take my calls, do negotiations. You're good at stuff like that. You're into legal and to negotiations and contracts. Handle that for me. And then in 12 weeks, you'll be done with your job. I'll have a new agency. We'll go our own ways. That's it. Uh, That was over five years ago. 
lo and behold, I still work with my brother. And we said it would never work. Siblings shouldn't work together. Right. We work very well together. Um, and over the years, I've been introduced to other speakers who I now represent who, you know, that it slowly changes and emerges and turns over. But right now, I have a small stable of amazing speakers who I love working with. Yeah. But that's also taught me so much about the industry, you know, crawling up from the bottom and seeing by working with multiple people, it's a faster education because I don't have five years of experience. I have five times 12 years of experience of seeing what works and doesn't work and where success comes from. Right. I, I took a look at your website, of course, and, and certainly some of the names on there for, for speakers. Uh, uh, you have a great stable of speakers. Uh, even if it's not the biggest, it's certainly some amazing speakers that, that, who are with you as your clients. And that's mm-hmm. uh, very, very exciting. And, and I'm thrilled that we'll have one of them coming on very soon <laughs> onto the podcast as well. Um, but right now, one of the things that you said to me last time that, that struck me as well, you said you deal with the unsexy parts of speaking. Tell, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I, I call it the unsexy but essential skills that one needs to speak because uh, speakers, like any other creative or technician, I guess I'll call them, um, you go into speaking, and, and I'd love to hear from you, you know, if this is why you went in, because you want to be on stage, because you want to spread your message, right? You want to be an authority. And those are all wonderful things. But like any other technician, like if you are a chef or a doctor or a photographer, and you only focus on your skill set, the fun, the sexy part, the onstage, the spotlights, that's only a small part of business. And that's where businesses fail is they focus on the spotlight and they forget about the bookkeeping and the contracting and the negotiation and the marketing and the all of those things that you need to run a successful business. So that's what I teach. I don't teach you how to be amazing on stage. That's that's up to you and that's up to people who are amazing on stage. I am not a speaker. But what I do teach are all those foundational things that speakers need to be successful as a business and make money at it. I think that's probably not just the speaker profession. I've been in coaching profession for about at least 15 years and I've seen many great coaches who haven't been able to stick around in the industry because they haven't got that they need to do marketing and that they need to run it like a business they just want to turn up and do the coaching stuff that they're good at and similarly with speakers as well then for what you're saying and I I know that for myself what my desire to become a speaker didn't come from wanting to be in the spotlight although I would say i done like amateur dramatics and studying <laughs> drama at university and stuff like that I've been in in bands and concerts singing and all sorts of things mm-hmm. so I'm not shy of being on the stage but but it's a bit different when you're on the stage as yourself and delivering a message and my first time learning how to do that was terrifying um, but it, it was based for me on an inspiration from somebody called uh, Dr. Joanna Martin who now mm-hmm. specializes in teaching empowerment and leadership for for women and she's an amazing person and um, it was her who made me realize that you can make such a big difference from that kind of platform and made made me want to be a presenter and be a speaker and and that's what fueled my fueled my learning if you like so it very much for me came from a place of seeing the power of it and the potential of it but also you don't realize when you decide that you want to do that, that there's all these other elements behind the scenes, all these ways of you have to build and grow a business. It's not just you get up on the stage and well, there you go, you're done. And so there's a lot more moving parts, if you like, that, that people just don't get. And uh, so so that's where someone like you comes in. And what, what are the kind of things that you've experienced from speakers who really don't kind of get that side of things or the situations that they maybe have found themselves in because of not taking care of the business side of speaking? Well, I knew, I I worked with one speaker who he was, he was um, very good on stage and we can talk about that that in a minute about being great or being good and and does it really matter, but he was very good on stage and he had a thing. We'll talk about a thing too, which um, he was an early, uh, he had an early video that went viral back when, you know, YouTube was just getting going or, you know, Google. And he had a, a video that just took off 
took him right to the top. And he said, he got a phone call one, one day that said, we'll pay you 15,000 to come to our event and speak. And he went, Oh, I'm a speaker. And he became a speaker and he had his one thing and he did it for a few years. And now he has a regular nine to five job. I think he'd still like to speak, but you know, it never took off. Um, And I think it was just because he wanted to spread the message. He had a great message and he kept working on the message. I think his, his platform of interesting information was very good. Um, But he didn't get the, the other aspect of it, which was, wait a minute, this isn't just spreading my message. It's, I need to pay the rent. I need to figure out how to get value, right? Because I think the biggest mistake speakers make is they don't look for an exchange of value. Like you had mentioned um, that you've spoken on stages for free. Yeah. And what I say is never speak for free. Um, you don't need to get paid cash but you need to get value because you're bringing value, right? You are, like you said, this woman who was your mentor, you have an amazing message. You are inspiring and helping people with your message. You're spending your time, you're traveling, you're training. Um, If you're not getting a fee, you need to get value back. I think value always has to be balanced. And that's a big thing emerging speakers, even more experienced speakers miss on is looking for a balance of value. I'm bringing you something amazing. What amazing thing am I getting back? Right. And, and so it doesn't have to be necessarily money, but you're getting something back. I mean, I think one thing for, for me, I, I've done some competitive speaking and it's really good fun and it does get you a bit more exposure. And in that sense, you know, you, what you're getting back is maybe some, uh, maybe an award uh, that you could use to on your profile and maybe a bit of exposure in the event and, uh, and a recording of your performance there that you can use in, in your own publicity. But, but there's more besides books and back-end products and things. So, so, I mean, one of the things that I've been working with with some of my coaching clients who are in the professional speaker business is getting them some additional services and products that aren't just their speeches. And I know I spoke with uh, Lauren Pibworth recently as well, and she was saying that that's a really good thing for people to be doing, and she's uh, she would actually actively encourage that as well. Do you see that that's a, a route that a lot of people are going now and that you would encourage? Yeah, no, I, I definitely encourage speakers to, and before they even start the negotiation, as soon as somebody says to them, we'd like you to speak, or they apply somewhere to speak, think about what's the value they can get. And the value might be, like you mentioned, which is selling a product, right? So you might have um, whatever your company is. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be consulting. I know one woman who does speaking, uh, she owns a woman's boutique. Right. And what she, how she sells her woman's boutique through speaking is she speaks about fashion and you know, fashion for the businesswoman and um, tips and tricks to make you look thinner or smarter or whatever it is, but she's selling clothing, but she doesn't sell clothing from the stage. She sells her knowledge. And then out of that, people go, wow, you are, um, you have such great ideas. She says, yes, why you stop by my boutique? Right. So she does local speaking and, um, video cast speaking so that she's got the visuals obviously. And that's how she builds a business. So think about what is it, you know, what is it, any sort of product or service you have and how can you make more out of that by speaking? So that's one thing. Um, and like you mentioned, you can sell books, right? If you, if you have a book, you can sell books. Uh, one of my speakers, this is how he goes on vacation every year. He has this one great gig. They, it's a high end luxury. He mentioned the luxury line. I'm like, yeah, I never even heard of it. Cause I know I can't, I couldn't even think about affording it. It's like a billionaire getaway, but every year they take him and his partner for two weeks to, you know, Singapore or, you know, someplace. And it's a two week, all expense paid cruise for him and his partner. And he's, he goes, yeah, I speak a few times during the cruise and I, you know, do Q and A's and I hobnob and amazing value because he wants to go on vacation. And this is this huge, you know, I don't know, $10,000 per person, maybe 15 or 20 per person. I don't know what it is. Big bucks. And uh, he speaks and that's how he does it. So there are so many different types of value. And just what you mentioned, right? Getting video, getting a logo of the company you're working for. If you go speak for Google, they're not going to pay you. But you get to put Google on your website. It's right. a big name, right? It makes you legitimate. Um, 
there, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that from some of the professional speakers who I've been chatting with, when you go and look on the websites, you see those things, you see those big names and as featured on and stuff like that. And that, that stuff is definitely impressive from a positioning and credibility point of view. So I can, I can really see the value in it for sure. And so one thing that would be good to get an, uh, get an idea of, a lot of people are telling me that everything is, of course, going virtual right now and that speaker gigs are, have changed because of that. But what are the kinds of speaker gigs that are getting booked or sought out at the moment? Yeah, it, it is a brutal climate right now for speakers. Um, and I think part of speaking right now is is thinking of what can you do for the client and letting them know. Um, Many speakers I know are always chasing the ideas. For example, they'll, they'll come to me and what's the hot topic right now. I'll, I'll pivot to, you know, meet that topic. And what I think people need to do now is don't pivot to follow everyone else, but figure out what you can offer that other people aren't offering yet. And Go to event planners with that. For example, I'm I'm working with one group right now that uh, they're having speakers on each week. They're doing a 14 week series, and they're coming to. They came to me and they said, "All right, here's what we want. We want one person who's going to talk about you know pivoting in operations. We want to talk about one thing who's going to pivot in marketing." And what I did was I went to them and said, "Here's an idea. How about?" And it wasn't something on their list, and they went, "Wow, great idea! Grab the speaker and put him on." Um, and it's not that they, it's not that they only came to me and I was just feeding them ideas. They had all these speakers coming from everywhere, trying to fit into the mold that their team had created. And I said, instead of going and saying, here are speakers who fit the mold that you've created. I said, here are speakers who are way outside that mold who you haven't thought of yet. And they went, Oh, that's brilliant. So now instead of competing with other speakers, we were, you know, creating something new. So that's the first thing is, is think of something that they haven't asked for. And, um, and what's going on right now? I mean, it's virtual. Everything's virtual. Um, a lot of speakers, uh, I have one, here's another great idea. Instead of, uh, the head on the screen, because that's what you mainly see, right? Is the the face Mm -hmm. is, uh, he happens to be a Grammy nominated pianist. And when he does a video cast, a webinar, whatever, he does a three camera webinar, one from behind him. So you can see him playing piano because between when he speaks, he'll, he'll bring up a a, a point and then explain it, the point in music. He's kind of amazing, but he does it as a three camera shoot. So he's got one behind him. So you can see him playing, playing, you have one in front of him so that it's there for him speaking. And then they has a close up so you can see his fingers on the keyboard. No one else thought of that. Everyone else is the head on the, you know, the face on the screen. And he's like, no, Lee, I'm not the face on the screen. I'm the studio. I want people to experience a studio. Wow. Great idea. Very different. And he got hired to do a series of speaking for um, cocktail hours. Amazing. Yeah. Gosh, I need to brush up my piano skills, I guess. There you go. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic, and it is stuff that, that that makes you stand out in in the industry at all as well, and that's really important. And so, when we talked before, one of the things that we also were talking about is what people who are maybe just starting out in the industry, maybe not the best time to be starting out, but what people who are just starting out or emerging um, should be thinking about in terms of where they're actually going to get business or what people are actually going to be looking for maybe after the COVID crisis and when things are a bit more whatever normality <laughs> ensues afterwards. Yeah, whatever normal means, right? Well, I think when you're starting out, the most important thing to do, and that's whether you're starting out now, whether, and I don't think, I don't think now is a bad time to start because you will grow as we get back into events, right? So I think now is a good time because you can really focus on the business and the craft and you have more time maybe now to really focus on building who you are as a speaker and then growing as the industry grows again. But I think the most important emerging speakers need to do um, 
is find out their niche. And it's got to be a narrow, narrow, narrow market. Um, Because I know what I did in the beginning, not knowing any better, and what all my speakers do in the beginning is it's called right throwing spaghetti at the wall. You just start doing everything, trying to figure out what's going to land, what's going to stick. And you don't look at one market. You say, all right, I'm going to try every market and see where I can find something. You know, um, I remember once I, I had a person who w- wanted me to represent them and I said, what's your topic? And she says, I talk about ethics. I said, great. What's your target market? She goes, everyone, everyone needs ethics. Everyone in business needs it. Big companies, small companies. I went, oh boy, you're not going to get going. So what I recommend speakers starting out, and now is a good time, is research the market, whatever the market means. And I think the best place for a speaker to start is find someone you know, go back in time, find a business, find somebody who's in, who works in events, someone who's going to get you on the stage or on the screen or doing whatever it is you do and focus on that market. So maybe it is, you know, like this woman who's women's boutiques, you know, you, you speak about, I don't know, whatever your topic is, marketing. But you don't just do marketing. You do marketing for women's boutique for women who are plus sizes. You know, narrow, 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 narrow. And then you become, so you start there and then you try to do, and it's webinars now, right? But you, you reach out to women's groups and say, look, I'm the expert on marketing boutiques that are for women's plus sizes. Well, you're the only person doing that. So you're the expert. So find, become an expert somewhere. And now is a good time. Find out where you can be an expert and become an expert. Become the best person at that. And then once you've built that, then you start opening up again. So I I say it's sort of like looking at an hourglass. You take all that stuff that's on top and you narrow it, narrow it, narrow it till you get to the neck and you figure out your sweet spot. Then once you've hit that sweet spot, now let it open again. Now that you're the expert at women's boutiques who do plus sizes, now, other people say, oh, you do women's boutiques? Oh, you do fashion? Oh, you're an industry? Oh, you you talk about, you know, personal statements. And then you can open your market back out again. But become really good at one thing so you're known for something. Become an expert at something. Yeah, and that, that's really solid advice and, and definitely a good thing to do. And so becoming solid uh, an expert in one thing and targeting that to a very narrow group of people, essentially, yeah? Right, because then you are the you are the authority. If it's narrow enough, there's no one better than you. Yeah, you're the person that gets called in. You said about people having a thing, and so I want, definitely want to come back to that and and for you to tell our audience what you mean by you've got to have a thing. What's a thing? So speakers who, especially speakers who are quickly successful, but any speaker, um, the question I always get is, do I need a book? Do I need a book to be legitimate? And I always say, no, you don't need, you need, some people do well to have a book, but some people only need a thing. A thing is something that makes you stand out from everyone else in some fashion that makes people take notice. Um, Some of the examples maybe are, you know, say you were looking for an airline pilot to talk about maybe leadership and you're like, wow, I think a pilot would be great. Well, there are thousands and thousands of pilots out there who, fly jetliners and they're not all speakers but there's one guy who landed a plane on the Hudson River and saved everyone on board that's his thing everyone knows Sully I mean I don't care where you are in the world my dear aunt who lives in Germany she's going there's this pilot have you ever heard of him I go yeah actually I live right near New York I I was right where he landed um but it's it's all over the world but that's his thing not that he wanted that thing but he became a speaker because it makes him unique from all other pilots. Um, say you're a director of operations for a company. And you say, you know, I'd like to speak for your event. I'm a director of operations. Yawn, right? There's nothing exciting about that. But if you say, I'm the director of operations for Disney, boom, yours go, Disney? But Disney, Disney is your thing. It might not make you anything special, but if you work for a recognizable brand, that gives you a leg up. Um, I work with a woman who, yeah, as soon as you say what she does, everyone, everyone looks over at you. 
she um, she talks about leadership and about fearlessness. Uh, she was a dominatrix. Dana, right? We just had Dana. A- yes, we talked about Dana. But but that's that's a thing, right? That people go, she's a what? A, a what? In fact, I once tried to pitch her to a woman, <laughs> and she goes. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. And I said, you know what? Then let's just move on. Let's... <laughs> you don't and... want to explain it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to explain it. Let's just move on. And she called me probably a week later. And she's like, she's a sweet, sweet Southern lady. She said, I just looked up Dominatrix and I don't think she's appropriate for our brand. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. You don't need, like, again, don't worry about a thing that's great for everybody. It's got to be a thing that's great for somebody. And men are a little intimidated when a woman gets on stage and says she's a dominatrix. Women for the most part are like, yeah, baby, you go girl. She's, you know, she's a hero. She's, she's strong. She's powerful. So she has a great market. Um, That's her thing. And if you don't have, you know, if you never crash landed a plane, if you didn't grow up in a cult and become a dominatrix, um, if you don't work for a huge brand, then maybe a book is your thing. But here we go again. Get a really narrow topic and become an expert at one thing. So your book is about women's boutiques for plus sizes. Right. And, and have a really narrow book. So now, again, your book makes you the expert at something. It's unique. It's not just digital marketing. <laughs> Everyone's a digital marketer. Make it really specific. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. So yeah, I'm I'm sat here thinking, racking my brain, thinking, but what's my thing? Like, well, yeah, okay, I, I worked for British Airways for for twelve years, but you know, I, I share being British Airways cabin crew with at least thirty thousand other people. It's like that's not so unique. Uh, but uh, but a book that would make me stand out. I mean, how how is someone at home going to figure out or find their thing if they don't have something as big as that? But it doesn't have to be big. You know, I was looking at it um, as if you were a PhD candidate. Every PhD candidate has to write a dissertation on a unique topic that's never been covered before. Um, a, c- a cousin of mine, their dissertation was the mating habits of the predators of the titmouse. No one's ever covered that before. So I think you just need, you know, having been with uh, British Airways for for that long, I'm sure there is some aspect to it, which people are unaware, you know, the behind the scenes, the in the galley of mm-hmm. the air, you know, something, something that people are are unaware of, or well, that's more or of a maybe it's routine than anything else. I think. Yeah, there you go. But maybe it's maybe it's you know tips. Maybe you become a travel expert. You are the the expert on the best way to, you know, all the inside tips on how to make traveling comfortable, but find something really tight because you might become the absolute go-to business expert for once we get out of COVID for people who are traveling. Like John Ball is the guy. He's the guy who can tell you how to get the best prices, how to get the seat you want, how to, you know, maybe you become or the comfort expert or you know, how to get the open row so you can sleep while you're, you're, you're traveling, whatever that might be. I'm sure you have inside information that, not that nobody else has, probably that everybody has who is a flight attendant, but you're the only one who's writing a book about it. Yeah. Or up on a stage speaking about it. Or on a stage speaking about it, right. That you have this behind the scenes knowledge that the common man does not have. And that's what you care about, right? Is the audience. You have five people behind the audience going, yeah, I know. Um, but if your audience doesn't know, then you're amazing. So it's, it's really more about being unique in the marketplace, right? And, uh, than anything else. Well, you're not going to be unique in the world, right? It's every, everyone has had your idea, but the difference between failure and success is execution. Right. In fact, there was a question once that I was asked, what's more important? education or execution? Well, if everyone has the same education you have, right? Everyone's been a flight attendant. There've been tens of thousands of flight attendants, but you execute on it and nobody else does. You're the expert. Right. No one's going to go, well, there was this other flight attendant who probably knew it too. Yes, but he did not articulate it. He did not bring it to the masses. He did not bring it away in this unique way. Yeah. So execution's everything. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I and mean, in terms of that, if you're not if you know if you're not fast, you're last, really, isn't it? And um, I, I remember a friend of mine years and years ago when, when I was very much younger saying having this idea for a, a bathing suit that you could suntan through. And some years after that, it was developed and and it exists. I don't know if it's very popular, but it exists. And she said to me, oh, I came up with that idea. I was like, well, what did you do with it? <laughs> Not, nothing at all. It's, it's that principle, isn't it? It's like you say, everyone has these ideas, but so few people actually act on them and follow through for, for whatever reasons. So that that's really, really sound advice. And uh, it's got my cogs whirring in my brain <laughs> <laughs> what, to what I, can, what I can think about doing for myself, because this is, for me, this is directly relevant as well. So I'm getting good information and getting some uh, some live coaching <laughs> well when you right when you because we have time well, I guess we have time now I don't know I think I'm busy morning tonight but really think into your past think about what you're done think about every flight until you hit on that one thing when you go wow that one story that one thing that happened that's memorable and then grow that thing yeah for, for me, the flying stuff is more like where I'm going to pull out some of my anecdotes or funny stories rather than mm-hmm. something yeah. I want to focus on for my speaking. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an area that uh, would, should be considered. But, uh, but for me, I kind of know where I want to go with my speaking. It's just putting all the bits in place. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, my stuff is very much about I, I want to speak about the, the tools of influence and persuasion. And, and I know there are some people doing that. So it's figuring out how to make that a bit more unique, I guess, is where, where I'm at. And uh, we'll continue to work on in, in how I present that. But for, for anyone then who is maybe having to make the transition now from live presentation to digital, I know because I've been doing online presentation for a long time and webinars and the likes, and you know as well because you've been doing it too, that they're not the same, that you can't just shift from one one to the other, that that there are differences. What would you see those as being and what what are the things that people need to be thinking about in terms of how they adapt themselves to the online world for at least for the time being? I think if, if a speaker before they develop the, the change. Let me start here. So yes, you are right. People who are wonderful on stage are not necessarily good on what I'll call on screen, right? As a, as a webinar and vice versa. Um, and, and some people will never be able to make the switch from one to the other, which is fine. Figure out what you're good at and focus on that. But for, for people who do want to make the switch, I think you need to think yourself, think of yourself as the audience member first and then how you're going to reach them. So if you're doing a live event, you're sitting in a room with 100, 500, 1,000 people, um, you're captive, right? You, you, are, you are seated between other people, so you can't leave. And your focus is the stage in front of you. Um, if you start reading your email on your phone, you might irritate others, so maybe you're not going to do that. And now that you're there, not only do you want to learn, you want to be entertained. And to, be, and to have that person on the stage capture you they need to take you on a journey, I think. I think the best speakers take you on a journey. They let you either, there are some people, right, that you just, um, you go on their journey, right? So you have celebrities, they talk about themselves and you get to see the inside of their world. And then you have people who take the audience on the journey, right? That they'll say, did this ever happen to you? And how can we fix it together? And they take them... But when I say journey, it's like, I think the most successful speakers go on an emotional journey, yeah. right? That you, you get excited and then you go, oh my God, you're frightened. And then, you know, you, you have to go up and down. So it's really important. And, and stories can be long. Stories can go on for 10 minutes because they're building and they're building and they're building and oh my God. And then you crash with them. Um, and then you get the big standing ovation and people cheer. And, the, and also, right, you have the stuff around you. You have spotlights. You have, I was watching a speaker this morning. He has like sparks that fly up from the front of the stage, you know, those jets, um, because he's a performance speaker. And then, you know, the the spotlights come up and and blind the audience for it's a it's it's just it's entertainment, it's performance, it's big. And then you say, you have those same speakers that say, Oh, I'll do a webinar. And within two minutes, you're the audience's forehead down, (laughs) sleeping. 
yeah. or they're, or they just, they ignore it and they go to their phones and because nobody can see them. Right. So, so now you have a non-captured audience. They can leave the room. You'd never know it. They can just shut you off. It's so easy to get distracted because in an, in an audience, everything is facing forward and that's all you've got around your people. I'm in my home now. I've got things going on outside. I've got my kids. That person has to work in a very different way to capture me. And what I have found, because like you, I do a lot of, of broadcasting. Again, I'm not a speaker. I'm a host. But we do, we do video. And I watch because we do Facebook Live. And you watch the numbers go up and down as people come in and leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I have found works the best, because I do this week after week after week for the last two years, is uh, your topic needs to have short sound bites. Your stories can't be more than, and listen to me droning on, right? Your stories can't be more than two minutes. Um, you need to come to a point. I find that numbers work very well. Today, we're going to talk about the five things speakers need to do to discover their target market. Because then people are going, oh, I've heard the first four. I just need number five. So they'll stay for five. So short sound bites, numbers work very well. Remembering that your audience is an audience of one. I'm speaking to you, audience member. See who that is. Make an avatar in your mind because you're talking to one person. You're not speaking to a thousand people. Uh, it's no longer we, it's you. It's me and you talking to each other. Um, but that you, that the audience, they also want to be a member of something because we're all feeling so isolated right now. So one thing that works for me because I do Facebook Live is, is chatting, is letting them be a part of the experience. Yeah. Um, I don't let the whole chat run on screen because it would just become too chaotic, yeah. but I select which comments will go up. But as soon as I put a comment up, the volume of comments increase. People become engaged because maybe my comment will show up on screen and now I'm the focus, right? My name will show up. Um, so I try to engage the audience by letting them be a part of the experience. Great. Yeah. That, that's certainly stuff that, that I find works in a lot of the online stuff that I do and that you need to keep the engagement strong and include some personal elements in there. I think when people have a realization that they might be the person whose comment gets, uh, gets read out or something, it does, it does turn up that engagement factor a bit more for sure. So these are, these are all really cool tips for, for the online presenting transition. And to you know, so about people should definitely be thinking about what, what comes after all this as well, which is all great things to be thinking about. Let's say I've got my uh, I've got my stuff together. I know who my niche is. I know what my expertise area is. How do I go about on the journey of getting bookings and getting paid to speak? Do I need an agent, or can I do this by myself? What what should I be doing? So the that depends. Um, there are there are pluses and minuses to having an agent, and, and I'll talk for a second about bureaus. A lot of people want to get into bureaus. I've had speakers say, Lee, can I get into a bureau? Because then my business will take off. If you're working with a bureau, a bureau is a company that has thousands of speakers, right? It's these big names you've heard of that if you try to look on anything on Google for a speaker, you get advertisements for five or six bureaus that pop up first. Um, The thing about working with a bureau is you are one of a thousand or 10,000. And their concern is a commission. So what matters is your fee. They're not going to try to sell your books. They're not going to try to get you video. They're not going to try to get you a cruise because they don't get paid on that. Fee is the only worry. So if you have a big fee and all you want is fee and that's your concern, a bureau might be a good thing because they're going to work for the highest fee. Um, there are exclusive and non-exclusive agreements with, with bureaus. If you are exclusive with the bureau, everything you do has to go through them. If a lead comes to you that has nothing to do with them, you still have to give it to them because you've made that contract. Um, if they find you something, that obviously they're going to work that for you. But everything goes through that one that one bureau. Um, from what I understand, the the fees for that commission can be thirty to forty percent. They can be very high, but they're pushing you because they make the more the most money on you. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking for a speaker who's going to talk about um, you know, whatever, whatever topic, the first speakers they're going to recommend are their retained, their exclusive speakers. That's where they make the most money. 
So in that regard, it can be good. You can have an agency that's pushing you all the time. If you're exclusive, if you make good money, that's what it's all about. Um, if you're non-exclusive, uh, just a fair warning to everyone, because I've had this happen. Um, the story I love to tell is one of my uh, clients wanted Sugar Ray Leonard to be a speaker. He is a boxer, right? If people who are not boxer people. Sugar Ray Leonard, famous uh, boxer. He's now a speaker. I contacted Sugar Ray Leonard's office. I got in touch with his office and his assistant. And she said, oh, he is exclusively represented or not even exclusively. I don't know that for sure. He is represented by such and such an agency. You have to go through them. Okay. So I reached out to the agency and I said, I would like Sugar Ray Leonard. Can you please send me information? They sent me an email with six different athletes all in the price range. And Sugar Ray, I think was the last or second to last one they even mentioned. And I went, wow, wow. Like I specifically, I told them that his office told me to contact them and I need information on him. And they sent me a selection because that's what they do. They want to land the client. They're not so worried about landing the speaker. So is a spe- so is an agency or a bureau right for you? It depends how big you are. It depends how flexible you are. It depends on how much money can you make for them. Right. Um, but a bureau will not launch your career. Won't you happen. Would, you would need to be someone who people would be actively seeking out, like you say. Otherwise, right. Name amongst the amongst the many others. You're one of thousands. I mean, look up any bureau. There's just thousands of speakers, and many of the speakers they don't even have. They're bait and switch speakers. Uh, try to book Richard Branson. All right. Every bureau in the world lists him. Most of them have no way to reach him because I have somebody want me to book him. They're like, yeah, we, yeah, we can't, you can't get him. Um, very narrow how you get to him, but everyone shows his face because he's a draw. He's a magnet. What I recommend for speakers who are emerging is that you need to invest in yourself. There is no, cause I get that too, right? That, that, Speakers will come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for an agent. Would you represent me? Mm-hmm. And because I, my structure is a commission structure, I'm like, I'd love to help you. But the amount of time, the amount of hours I have to put in to try to get you your first gig, I'm going to be broke. I'm going to starve to death. Yeah. What you need if you're an emerging speaker is you need a, a speaker agent who um, charges a retainer. And for that retainer, they're constantly pitching you for no other like. You've got to be pitched many times before you land that first one. So you're paying them to do that. Or you need a good PR person. And again, find somebody who's PR in your niche. But you want to create, you want to create some buzz. You want to create, right? You want to be the expert. You want people to know you're the expert. So I recommend that emerging speakers get a good PR person who gets them on TV, who gets them articles, who gets them you know, a a blog in the Wall Street Journal, whatever it might be, to make them an authority to get draw. I find pushing speakers to client, potential clients to try to get gigs is not nearly effective as pulling them in by making yourself interesting. Yeah, that makes a a lot of sense. And if if a new speaker like myself decides that, well, maybe I can, maybe I don't need an agent right now. Maybe I just want to get myself get myself seen and get on some stages and get paid for that. Uh, you, you said earlier about going through the list of people you already know, but what what other avenues may be open to actually getting some paid some paid speaking gigs? And just to add to that, um, how many keynotes? would you does somebody really need to have to be able to get started like do you need to just have one good keynote is that enough or yeah you you only need one good keynote um to get started and then just tell cuz what you tell the, the the client is this is my topic however i can customize it for you and when i say customize i don't mean rewrite the keynote for every customer because then you're never going to be good right then every time you get out there you have new material and my, my most experienced speakers who are really, really good have the same keynote every time because they know where the laugh is. They know where the sobbing is, right? They know exactly how the audience is going to react. But you customize it. You tell them you're going to customize it. And the only thing you need to do is use the language of the audience. Um, like if, say, I'm going to do a workshop for Disney. Well, you make sure that you're talking about cast members and not employees. You make sure you're talking, you know... You you interview the event the, the event planner and find out what is their language, what is their thing. 
because every industry thinks that they're like nobody else. I found that one thing talking to clients, every client says, well, like your speaker might not be right because they don't understand our client. They don't understand our customer is different than anybody else's customer. And I'm going, really? Are they really? Uh, I remember I had a limousine company that told me that Lee, you don't understand people, people who go in limousines are, they're different than anybody else. I said, well, funny. I'm, I'm willing to bet they buy food like everybody else. I'm willing to bet they have rent like everybody else. I'm with 97% of what they do is like everybody else. But the client is worried about the 3% because that's what makes them unique. So the speaker has to say, I have this great keynote, but I understand that your industry is like none other and I will customize for you. And then you talk to them and you find out what those few words are, that that 3% that makes the whole keynote seem fresh and just for them. So have one keynote, but customize it 3% to make it fit them. Um, but the other thing is emerging speakers don't look for the keynote. You don't, you, you're not a keynote, you know, new people, they're not a keynote. A keynote has to own the room. And if you're an emerging speaker, chances are you don't own the room. Start by doing breakouts, start by doing, you know, if you're quote unquote keynoting, but it's for the chamber of commerce, it's really not a keynote. It's a presentation. Don't try to be the best before you're good. Mm. Do the workshops do the small presentations and you can still get paid for those, but it doesn't have to be the keynote because you're not a keynote. You're a beginner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think, you know, I know I don't know. I don't, I don't even think I've got time right now to, to put all the energy into creating my keynote. <laughs> so, uh, I've got plenty of things I talk about and have talked about and teach about train about, get up on stage and talk about in Toastmasters and wherever else. Um, but, uh, but a keynote speech that takes a bit of work and crafting. So it's, it's a relief, actually, to hear you say that's not the thing to work on when you're when you're getting started out. From from your perspective, who, other than people who are on your list, who are your favourite kinds of speakers from people you've seen? Who would you rank as? Uh, obviously, the people who you work with, but outside of that, who would you rank as being great speakers who you would love to have? Maybe love to have in your books. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, Great is the enemy of good. I like people who are really good. Um, because, you know, when, when I see a, a, what I can, what I consider a great speaker is a speaker who's really good on stage. Maybe they're not the best presenter ever. They don't have the fireworks and the lights and all these things, but they're really good. Like when they leave the audience, the audience goes, wow. That I really got something out of that. They were really good, um, solid. You know, somebody who really knows their craft, someone who's easy to work with. The moment a person is a diva, they're gone. I don't want to work with divas. I recommend my clients don't work with divas. Um, and and some speakers think that being a diva is a plus that it makes them look more important. Of you know, well, when I go there they need to have fresh cut flowers in my, in my green room. And I need, it's like, d that doesn't make you look more impressive. It doesn't make you appear to be a better speaker. It just makes you a pain in the back end. Right. Um, so I like people who are, they have a great worth work ethic. They put their client first. They want to do the best job they can for that client. They want that audience to walk away thrilled with what they do. Um, they want to deliver great things. So those are the speakers I look for that impress me are the ones when I, I listen to them and I go, wow, that I just feel like that speaker worked so hard for me, the audience member. I got to take a lot away from it. I was entertained. I loved it, but I didn't get that feeling of, wow, they were impressed with themselves. You know, it, so that's what I look for in a speaker. I look for a speaker who, who speaks to me, who, who takes me on a journey, who realizes that I'm at the center of their business. They're not the center of their business. Great. Are there, are there any specific names other than your own clients who stand out for you then? Well, not nobody who would ever, you know, really hit my docket, but people that I've loved, uh, General Colin Powell, who was Secretary of State mm. in the U.S. years ago, I saw him speak. And he talked about himself, but he took the audience on his journey. 
And it was so exciting to go on Air Force One and to travel with him. And um, and that's what he really did was he took that the audience on that journey. And I, ha- I found him a tremendously engaging speaker. Um, at no point did I go, oh, my God, he's got such an ego. I can't, you know, I just don't want to listen to this. He took us with him. Um, who are other people who are really just, I mean, some athletes, but again, athletes who share their excitement with the audience, not people who go, well, I won the Heisman Trophy and then I was number one and then I did this. But people go, you know what? You, you can, if you can learn how to throw that ball, if you can learn people who engage you. So, you know, Joe Montana, he's a football player, loved him, American football. Um, just, God, I'm trying to think of names of people who I really just, it's hard to know until I've worked with them. Mm. You know, I've had people, because clients will reach out to me and say, can you get such and such a celebrity or such and such a speaker? And what turns me off or turns me off is the experience with the speaker and not, not, not just necessarily what they're saying, not just their stage performance, but the whole experience with them. So that would be from the people they work with as well as them themselves. Yeah, the people they work with. But the first thing is when I get on the phone with the speaker and if they say, what can I do to make this a great experience for the client? I go, huh, I might enjoy working with this person, regardless yeah. of what their skill set is, regardless of what they're talking about. Um, so they don't have to be a great speaker. They have to be really good, but they have to put the audience first. And they just tickle me. Those are the people I love. When we were planning the episode, you said something to me that really resonated about um, your perspective on business being primarily about relationships. And that's something I, I really like and, and relate to. Is that something you can expand a bit on for the audience listening in? Absolutely. I think, and that's a little bit of what I just said. You want a client who's great to work with. And the reason you need to be a speaker who's great to work with is because if your client loves you, not only what you did on stage, but working with you, they are more inclined to recommend you. They are more inclined to give you a testimonial. Um, if you are a diva, they're going to go, wow, I had this person, but I'm not recommending them to anybody because I, they're a nightmare. Um, so I get 90% of my business through referrals, recommendations, repeats, you know, there's very little that I get by cold calling. Um, and and anybody who says, you know, an open call for speakers on the internet, don't bother unless you're only looking for experience somewhere because a call for speakers means that, you know, maybe we'll accept you. Like you're, you're working so hard to get accepted just to do some crummy little job. Um, I think that's a nightmare. But try to build relationships with people who run events. And again, if you're just starting out, don't try to be the keynote, but say, hey, I have this great topic. I'm willing to do the little back room. I'm willing to do the breakout. Um, But be helpful, be supportive, have great ideas, build relationships. And a big thing about building relationships is often speakers will be lured to do something for a low or no fee because the event planner will say, oh, there are going to be so many people in that room. I know these people. They will want to hire you. What I recommend, I think my, my, one of my best recommendations is, really? Please introduce me to those people before the event yeah. because that way, when I get there, I can spend some quality time with them. I will know who they are. I can do this because that's always a promise, right? Oh, there will be these people there. You're going to get so much exposure. You're going to get, yes, so much exposure. <laughs> yeah. Great. Who are those people? Name three of those people and introduce me to them. And if they can't, then you know what? You're not getting any exposure. Yeah, that that's really important. And I've had those kinds of approaches and it, it's never appealed to me because I really can't see what I'm getting out of it at all. And uh, so, well, I don't, I, it's empty promises. It's empty promises as far right. as... Right. Yeah, don't work for empty promises unless I know what's going to come out of it. It's just recently hearing about somebody who, who booked an event for a well-known speaker, uh, not, not anyone who uh, I'm connected with, uh, and probably not you either, but, um, but he um, ended up not paying her for the work afterwards and stuff because it was all done on promises and saying, hey, 
I get that there's an authority with some people where you think, okay, well, you know, you, you have some standing or I have heard of you before. But even then, you have to think about the business side of things, get your contract, get things written down. And I've done that before in business of uh, being offered a verbal contract on a job and then um, then having it taken away before <laughs> before anything happened. It's uh, it's awful. And that's, that's one big thing I talk about, you know, in speaker 101 is you need a contract every time, even if you're not getting paid, because a contract is a great way to communicate. It makes things very clear. Yeah. What I'm promising, what you're promising is very clear. And you're right. There are some big groups. I know one of my speakers was approached by a group and they said, you know, won't he speak for free because we're amazing. And they start, they start name dropping all these people are going to be there. And I'm going, but what's he going to get out of it? He's other than getting to hobnob with these exciting, you know, TV personalities, how does that help him? He's not getting any value at all, but they're able to draw people in with their own celebrity. Like, of course you'd want to speak for us because we're amazing, but no balance of value there at all. Unless you really want to get their autograph or picture. Other than that. (laughs) Well, if you get the stars in your eyes, you might want to do it, I suppose. But yeah, so I think it's, better to approach it from the business perspective of where is where is the real value there and uh, unless there's a real value of association or some work like it to come from it um it may not actually be worth spending some time on and i i know as a business owner whose time is um always full of something to do that you know i don't know about you but i always wish there were a few more hours in the day <laughs> so that you could get a few more things done from time to time but uh, taking on stuff that just isn't actually giving you value or, or progressing your business is doesn't make sense. You know, you shouldn't waste time. However, I don't like to always be focused on me. I think a lot of the business that has come is because I play the long game um, and I'm not always looking for the immediate return. I really try. I, I mean, my, my best clients are people with potential to be clients or relationships. I frequently reach out and say, hey, what can I do for you today without expecting any return because I know that one day they're going to say, you know what, let me do something for you. Um, So I'm not always looking for, you know, give, 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 or if, you know, I'm not going to deal with this person because they're not worth anything to me right now. I actually had an, he's an expert at networking. His thing is teaching networking. And what he said to me once was, if, a, if you don't see the value that you're going to get out of a relationship in the first 60 seconds, walk away. And I went, oh, no. When I'm, I'd rather say, what value can I give to you? And can we form a relationship? And if so, great. Let's, you know, because the next person they introduce me to might be the one who brings me value. Or they might know the person who does and might be in their network. I mean, that, that's very much how the business network I'm in works. You know, it's like even if you, even if the person, people you're having lunch or dinner with are not your clients, not your customer base, and more, more often than not for me, they're not. Um, it's the conversations you have. It's the people that they introduce you to sometimes. It's the uh, connections and realizations. There's, there's so much more in terms of value. Certainly doing something like this podcast it doesn't pay me anything, you know. I get I get no money from this, but I do get to speak with amazing people like you. It's given me a, a great opportunity to have lots of good conversations, interesting conversations that are helpful to to me and interesting to me, but also widely helpful. And and that is a, a service thing, but it's also for me, it's a part of part of my positioning for what matters to me is being in being someone who gives good information and has great conversations with people and is sharing value. And that's the service side of it. I think if you're not actually being of service, then um, you know, that, that's a, a high value for me that I want to always be providing service and giving that kind of value for people. And if, if, if that's not happening, there would be something wrong. It's like you're always solving a problem or you're always um, giving good knowledge and educating people that for me is what this this podcast is about right and and this podcast is your long game right because it's not just you know you get something out of each guest but your listeners you you build this community of people and you you've become their expert right so you become the expert at your podcast um and hopefully you're gonna have listeners now right who say that guy he's he's a great speaker in fact i know i have two speakers in mind specifically who get a lot of business from podcasting. 
Okay. Because that's, you know, that's where people, you know, one, because he leads a large podcast. So he's known as the guy that gives out that information. And the other one, because he's on a lot of podcasts and people find him interesting and hire him from there. So I think podcasting is a great thing. It's a great, but it's a long game. One podcast won't do it for you. You have to commit and make it a part of your business plan. I just today published my 20th episode. Yesterday I recorded another episode with a, a really interesting guy and um, he was saying to me, oh, yeah, you probably need about 200 episodes really for it to, to properly be flying and taken off. Oh, so only another 180 to go. That's, that's good to know. Well, I, I'm in it for the long haul. I, I love doing this and I, I love having conversations with, with people like you where we just get to learn so much. One thing I do like to ask is... Is there a, a book that you would particularly recommend maybe your clients to read or that you just think is a good book to have in, on your shelf and to, to know? I'm, I'd probably go with nonfiction, but it doesn't have to be. Well, I mean, because I live in the business world, right? I, I live in small business. That's, that, that's my world. My clients, my speakers, they're all small business. And the number one book, and of course, you're going to go, I know this book, Lee. The number one book that I have seen people walk up to the speaker and hug him and say, thank you for saving their business. The number one book that I've heard people just talk about, like friends of mine will say, oh, I've read that. And it just, it's, it moved me ahead in business. It changed my business. Um, and the book that kept me on track from day one, because I had access immediately and, and they set my business up that way is profit first. Right. Um, right. Profit first. It's, it's, uh, as amusing as a business book can be. Um, but that's the one book. And again, like I said, speaker 101, I believe in the business of whatever you're doing. Business means that at some point you are financially sustainable. And that is the number one book to make any small business financially sustainable for morons. I mean, like I'm a non-finance person. I hate dealing with money. Yeah, I understand profit first. Yes, uh, I, I love it. And it's a book that I remember my my business marketing coach recommending it to me. And ever since I read it, I've been recommending it to all my business owner clients as well. And they love it as well. I'm sure they're recommending it too. It is one of those books that I'm sure is growing just as much by personal recommendation as by any online promotions or Amazon promotions or anything like that, because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very easily recommendable book. And, and I'm very much looking forward to speaking with uh, with Mike McCallowitz. Uh, and I'm, it might well come up in the conversation. Uh, it might come up. <laughs> but you know what? It's, but it's exactly what we were talking about before, which is I've had people read the book and go, oh, I, yeah, I've thought of that. Like I, I thought of how to do that or that's, that's something my mom taught me. But he's the only one who put it on paper. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, teach, uh, I teach a program with, um, through Harb Echo, who I've been working with for years, and it's a money management program that they run. And so helping people get the foundations for financial freedom. It's a really cool program, and we've been running it successfully for a number of years. And Harv created this money jar system, uh, which is for a system for managing your personal finances. But what always gets asked on those programs is about how you do that with your business. And that's where Profit First is really helpful. It's like, okay, well, the Harvest Jar system is great for your personal finances, for your business. Read Profit First and implement that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Really good stuff. Very, very sound advice. Are there, are there any other key elements around, around speaking or the speaker business or, or any, just any final thoughts that you wanted to uh, impart to emerging speakers, existing speakers that you think might be useful right now? Well, again, <clears throat> I believe that speaking is a business. Um, just like any other craft, any other art, any, anything you do, and the reason 80% of businesses fail, small businesses, is because people just want to go, I, I'm not interested in the business part. I just want to do the exciting part. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, <clears throat> focus on the business. If you focus on holistically what you're doing, why you're doing it, how to be successful at it, you will be successful at it. Yeah. So a good sign that I've kept you talking too long is that your throat's getting a bit dry. So I'll let you go and 
I'll let you go and uh, get a drink, Lee. But you, you've given us so much great information today. It's been a fascinating conversation. I'm really happy that you've come on the show and shared so much with, with me and with the audience here. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate it. And uh, and thank you for some of the connections you, you've given me as well. It was um, through connecting on this podcast that I got introduced to you. So I'm very happy to the people who led me to connecting with you. That's all been about building relationships along the way, which is exactly what you talked about. So thank you so much and hope to speak to you again very soon. Well, thank you, John. It was a great experience. Have a great, have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure you like and subscribe. There are some great episodes coming up with some amazing guests and I wouldn't want you to miss a single one. If you think you'd be a great guest on the podcast or you know someone who would, I'd love to hear from you. And always, I'm happy to get any feedback that might help to improve the show. As a coach and trainer, I work with service business owners, coaches, trainers, speakers, authors in presentation skills, both online and in person. I help people to create and deliver additional products and services, including webinars that make sales and to add residual income to your business. I teach and train the tools of ethical influence and persuasion that can help you to stand out in the marketplace, to step up as a leader and to communicate more effectively with clients, customers and colleagues. If you would like to book in a free 20 minute no obligation discovery call with me to find out if working with Present Influence is right for you, click the link in the show notes. Alternatively, visit presentinfluence.com, click on the contact page and you will find the link to book in there. I look forward to connecting with you and I look forward to you joining me again on the next episode of the Loki podcast.